I'm not sure exactly how short you can pray with me about that. I have three messages planned in the series at this point, and I'm open to two more at least if the Lord guides. But it's an introduction to a series that I believe has been um, pressed upon us in a number of ways. I think there has been a strong conviction in staff that God is calling us as a church to greater fruitfulness. The uh, ministers who came to us during prayer week delivered a kind of prophetic word over us as a church that God did want to make us a more fruitful and converting church. Every time I'm in a group of prayer warriors and I seek the Lord earnestly with them about God's heart for us, this this kind of thing, be fruitful, multiply, become a, a converting ministry, emerges. I have heard two or three independent times where texts like Acts 9.31 have been prayed, which says, the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. It continued to increase. It was multiplied. So more and more it seems like there are these streams coming together to say, pray this into reality. But more important than any of those signs or pointers is the biblical fact that God's revealed will is for us to be a fruitful, multiplying people. Romans 10.1 My heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they might be saved. This was the apostolic heart. My heart's desire and prayer to God is that they the Jews he was referring to might be saved. And John 15.16, I appointed you, Jesus says, that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. And so it seems to me that God is calling me to focus on this for a few weeks from different angles. And I ask for your prayers Now, today's message is going to come from an unusual text, and I invite you to turn to Genesis chapter 35 with me as I read verses 9, 10, and 11. Genesis 35. It's a story about God's appearing to Jacob, who's going to be named Israel, has already been named Israel once, and it's going to be reaffirmed as Israel now. Genesis 35, 9 to 11. Then God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padan Aram, and he blessed him. And God said to him, your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Take those words and keep them in your mind. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. Now, the words that gripped me here 
are the ones I highlighted as I was reading this a few weeks ago. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. This is a promise and a command. There's a promise in those words. He's not just saying in general, I happen to be the kind of being who's powerful. He's saying to the covenant, the heir, the son of Abraham, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, I am God Almighty. I appeared to your father. I've identified myself that way. I have made a covenant with your line. I am that God. Now, be fruitful and multiply. So there's a promise backing up and giving warrant and authority and hope and confidence to move ahead with the mission of multiplication and fruitfulness. His almightiness makes a difference here in Jacob's confidence to move ahead. It's as though he were saying, my godness, my almightiness stands behind this command. I don't leave you to your own resources to be fruitful and multiply. I am God Almighty. Do it. It's very important to see the connection of those two. Now, the question is, do I have any right to take these words and apply them to Bethlehem and hear them being spoken by God to this congregation spiritually? Here they are, spoken to a Jewish patriarch, mainly concerning his physical seed that he would have 12 sons and a whole nation of Israel would come of him and apply it to Bethlehem that we be fruitful and multiply in converts, in spiritual offspring. Do I have any right to do that? Is there any possibility that such a meaning could be in these words? I don't think you have a right to take biblical words and make them mean anything you want them to mean. You have to have some biblical reasons if you're going to say biblical words mean what you say they mean. Well, I want you to put on your thinking caps here. This is a shorter message than usual. I know what time it is. So maybe you keep your cap on and uh, hold it on because... You know, I've been thinking a lot about thinking recently because of the pastor's conference and because the Bible is a book. Did you ever stop to think that the Bible is a book? The Bible is a book, which means God wills that you learn how to read, kids. It's God's will that people learn how to read because he, he put his word in a book. Isn't that amazing? Well, I could go on and on on that. I talked for an hour on it last Wednesday, but... I'm, I'm telling you right now that this is going to be hard to understand for some of you. And if it were my line of reasoning that I'm going to develop here, I would say, oh, this is this is heavy sledding and you probably shouldn't do this on Sunday morning. But it simply isn't my line of reasoning. It's in the book. And I am not. I just don't believe God calls us to avoid things that are in the book just because they tax the God-given gray matter that we have. So that's a little apology for how difficult this is going to be. 
I have four steps to defend and justify and explain my use of these words for the next three weeks, at least, over these messages. I am God Almighty, Bethlehem. Be fruitful and multiply with many converts in 1996. Step number one. These words to Jacob are a reaffirmation and continuation of the promise to Abraham in Genesis 17. So flip back there with me. And I want you to see this. Genesis 17, verses 4 to 6. You will hear at least four almost identical elements in the promise made to Jacob's grandfather, Abraham. I'll read verses 4, 5, and 6 of Genesis 17. God says, As for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I will make you the father of a multitude of nations, and I will make you exceedingly fruitful. And I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. So you hear four things at least. Number one, the name change. Number two, of Abram to Abraham, Jacob to Israel. Number two, the promise that kings are coming from their loins. Number three, the reference to being fruitful. And number four, the most important for my purposes now, that they would be the father of a multitude of nations. Now, let's get real clear on this. Verse 5 and verse 6 of chapter 17 both say Abraham is going to be the father of a multitude. That's more than 14. I'll tell you why 14 is important in a minute. That's more than 14. This is a multitude of nations, not individuals, but nations and in Chapter 35, verse 11, the promise is made to Jacob, a company of nations shall proceed from you. So you got a a multitude of nations coming from Abraham and a company or a congregation, kahal in the Hebrew, a, a congregation of nations coming forth from them. So that's step number one. The promise made to Jacob is a continuation of and a reaffirmation of the promise made to Abraham. So I'm going to do a lot now with the promise made to Abraham, assuming that the promise made to Jacob is the same promise. Step number two. The promise that the patriarchs, namely Abraham and Jacob, would be fruitful with a multitude of nations is fulfilled in the Gentiles inheriting the promises of Abraham through faith in Jesus. That's a big step. Say it again. The promise that the patriarchs would be fruitful with a multitude of nations coming from them is fulfilled in the Gentiles. That's us. In the Gentiles inheriting the promises of Abraham through faith in Jesus, the son of Abraham. Now, turn with me to Romans chapter 4, verse 16. I want you to see this for yourself. Romans 4, 16 to 17. Here's what Paul says. 
And then we'll try to get into his reasoning here a little bit and see how it works. Verse 16, Romans 4. For this reason, it, that is the promise, is by faith that it might be in accordance with grace in order that the promise may be certain to all the descendants. Who are they? Not only to those who are of the law, that's Jewish believers, but also to those Gentiles, I think he means, who are of the faith of Abraham. Now, there's not just physically, but who have the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, a father of many nations, I made you. That's the reference back to Genesis 17:5, And his interpretation of it is that he is the father of us all, those who are of the law and those who simply have the faith of Abraham, namely the Gentiles. So this is Paul's interpretation of how Abraham became the father of a multitude of nations. He did it through people being attached to Jesus through faith. In the sight of him who... Whom he believed, even God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. That will that will be an important verse in a few minutes when we see John the Baptist say the same kind of thing. God can raise up from stones children to Abraham. And here Paul is saying God can call out of nothing that which does not exist and create nations out of Gentiles, if he must, for Abraham. Now, the reasoning here. I think, goes like this. As Paul looks at this promise, a multitude of nations, God promised a multitude of nations, how many nations have come physically from Abraham? Well, there's Isaac and there's Ishmael. So you got the Ishmaelites, and then from Isaac you got Jacob and Esau, so you got the Edomites from Esau and the Ishmaelites, and then you got the twelve sons, so that's fourteen. And maybe, if we really stretch it, we could take the the sons of Keturah, this other wife that Abraham had. Well, nothing's ever made of those nations, so we don't know of any nations that came from them. So you got 14, give or take, many as you want to add or take. It's not a multitude. It's not a multitude of nations. So theologically, Paul's, his wheels are spinning, and you know where they spin to? They spin to Genesis 12, verse 3. And we know that verse a little better. It goes like this. God appears to Abraham and he says, in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All the families of the earth shall be blessed. And Paul says, how's that going to happen? How's that going to happen? How is Abraham going to become a blessing to all the nations? And the answer is, Abraham's seed, Christ, is going to save the nations who believe in him. And those nations through faith are going to be attached to Christ, the seed of Abraham. And in receiving the blessing of Abraham, they become the children of Abraham and thus become the nations that he's the father of. And it is not stretching the Old Testament. I mean, I'm just giving you the, the thin layer of reflection here. We could take it a lot deeper and, and show other pointers and evidences that inside the intention of the Old Testament is something way beyond 14 nations flowing from the loins of Abraham or Jacob. What we have then in our second 
step is that the promise to the patriarchs, Abraham in chapter 17, Jacob in chapter 35, is that they will become the father of a congregation of nations or a multitude of nations, which, thinking through chapter 12, verse 3, where all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through Abraham, it cuts over into Romans and we see that Paul said in chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, that the way they become the father of many nations is by absorbing Gentiles through faith into the airship of the covenant promise. Step number three. Paul shows that what unites Abraham and Christian Gentiles to God is faith, not Jewishness. What unites Abraham to God is not his Jewishness, but his faith. And what unites Gentiles to God with Abraham is not their Jewishness or Gentilishness, but their faith. Galatians, if you want to see it. Galatians chapter 3. Let's look at it. Galatians 3. I only have four steps. We're on number 3. Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 and 7. It says, Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. So if you just stop right there, he's highlighting the fact that this essential relationship of justification that had to exist between a fallen human being and God, if there's going to be any reconciliation whatsoever, happened by faith when Abraham believed God. That's Genesis 15:6. But here it is quoted in Galatians 3:6. Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him as righteousness. Now, key key verse, tremendously important verse in biblical thinking. Verse 7. Therefore, be sure that it is those who are of faith who are the sons of Abraham. It is not the children of the flesh who are the children of promise, Romans 9 says, but the children of promise. Or those who believe, he calls it here. Those who are of faith are the sons of Abraham. So the key is not Jewishness to becoming a true offspring of Abraham. The key is faith. So how is it then? How is it that Abraham and Jacob become fruitful and multiply with a multitude of nations? And the answer is that they are fruitful and multiply when Christians witness to the gospel and win people to faith in Christ. When you and I, who are the children of Abraham by faith in Christ, witness to Jesus Christ and draw people by the power of the Holy Spirit into faith and thus union with Christ, the Messiah and seed of Abraham, we are growing. We are helping fulfill the promise. Be fruitful. Multiply. I am God Almighty. Galatians 3.29, if you want to run your eye on down the chapter, says it in an even clearer way, probably. Galatians 3.29. If you belong to Christ, 
then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise, even if you're a Gentile. Now, do you see how when it says to Jacob or to Abraham, same promise, remember, same line, I am God Almighty, Jacob, be fruitful, multiply, bring forth a congregation of nations. And then he does it through the line of Jacob leading to Christ and Christ reaching out and folding in all the nations into him through faith and thus fulfilling that promise. So that if we stand here, if we stand here, this is step number four. When God says to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, he includes in his meaning, let multitudes of Jews and Gentiles in all generations be saved through faith in Christ and become heirs of the promises of God. When he says to Jacob, I am God Almighty, be fruitful and multiply, included in his meaning, in God's meaning, is Bethlehem, seed of Abraham, children of promise, true Jews, multiply yourselves. I'm God Almighty. Do you hear an echo of the logic of the Great Commission? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go make disciples. That's exactly the same as saying, I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. It's a word to us. It's a word to us. The same Almighty God reigns today. And He means for the family of Abraham to encompass all the nations. And He means for you to encompass your neighbors, your colleagues, your parents, your children. I'm going to close with two implications. Number one, the almightiness of God is the confidence and the warrant of our witnessing to unbelievers. We're going to enter the work week tomorrow morning, right? Almost everybody in this room is going to rub shoulders with an unbeliever tomorrow. You're not going alone. You're not going in your weak self. You're not going in your fears and your timidity. There is a word now over you. And I want you to take it with you. And the word I speak on his behalf. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful. Multiply. I am God Almighty on Monday morning. Be fruitful. And multiply. I'm God Almighty on Tuesday morning. Be fruitful and multiply. I'm God Almighty on Friday morning when you play basketball with. Be fruitful. Multiply. John the Baptist, when he heard some of the Jews saying, we have Abraham as our father. We don't need to repent and be baptized. We have Abraham as our father. As though Jewishness saved or protected from judgment. You remember what John the Baptist said? Do not presume to say we have Abraham as our father. For God can raise up from these stones children to Abraham. 
In other words, if every single child of the flesh perishes, God's promise will not fail because he will make children of Abraham out of Gentiles if he must. Now, I don't think he will abandon the Jewish people, nor should we in either attitude or witness. They will be folded in one day. So first implication, you don't go alone. You go in the power of God's almightiness. And here is implication number two. Got one of these? Would you open your worship folder and take this out? There may not be enough for each individual. I'm sure there's not if you only took one bulletin per family. So there are more. Where, David? On the information table. There are more of these. This is real simple. This is from Billy Graham. In one way to look at it, it's preparation for the crusade in June. That's not the main way I'm looking at it right now. We did this once before. We had a little card of our own called How Valuable is Jesus? Some of you were here about eight years ago and we did that. We had our little lines just like this. These lines are for people you love. Your dad goes right there, right? Your wayward son goes right there. Your next door neighbor goes right there. The guy or the gal in the next cubicle at work goes right there. That old college classmate that contacted you a week ago goes right there. And and I want you to write them down. I want you to write them down. If you would like this little part at the bottom, it you can tear off. And if you if you put that in a box, which is also where, David? On the information. If you put this in a box, then the E1, that is the local evangelism team, will pray for your praying. We'll put a booster behind your own concern for these people. I am God Almighty. Write a list down here. I am God Almighty. Write a list down here. One long, two long, three long, six long. Just everybody knows an unbeliever. Everybody knows an unbeliever. And we have not because we ask not. And I believe that in this series, God is calling us to do some serious asking. And praying for ourselves, for boldness and courage and wisdom and sensitivity. Next week I'm going to talk about that. And uh, for them, that their hearts be ready and open. Not just when Billy comes, though that's a great harvesting time, but even before then. Let's pray. There may be a few minutes that we could take between the services. I'll be here at the front and... Some others, the prayer teams will be here. If you got somebody you really care a lot about or if, if your own soul is, is in any way in turmoil here, we'd love to take five minutes or so here between services and pray with you. But please, put names on that card. Put it in your Bible. And for the next six months, leading up to June or five months, pray that God would work in those people and work in you and bring to pass salvation. Father, would you speak the word over this congregation? I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. Lord, lodge these words now in the hearts of your people. I am God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. And all the people said, Amen.